You're listening to E-Commerce Marketing School, presented by Privy and Printful. Welcome back. Today I'm here with a, a very special guest. And uh, before I get into that, I wanted to share a little bit of context. I think the age old question is how do you generate traffic to your store? There's like a billion ways to do it, but none of it is easy. So, you know, you could go buy Instagram ads or maybe maybe you just go viral on TikTok. I think it's that easy, right? But getting traffic is the most important component to building an online brand. Without it, you just don't get sales. So I wanted to bring on longtime friend Steve Chu to the show. Steve knows a thing or two about generating traffic. That's pretty much what he does for a living. For his blog, My Wife Quit Her Job, and also for a business that he and his wife run called Bumblebee Linens, which is a D2C linen brand doing seven figures. So Steve... Welcome to the show. It's great. I've been a guest on your podcast and your site, and now I get to reciprocate after all these years. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ben. It's It's been a while since we caught up, so I'm oh, yeah. happy to be here. This is awesome. So tell us about the blog, right, for anyone who doesn't know, and then we'll get into Bumblebee. Sure, yeah. The blog, uh, which is over at mywifequitterjob.com, it's basically a journal of my adventures in e-commerce, and I've been doing it since 2009 now because my e-commerce store... We started that in 2007, so it's been quite a while now. You're like a, um, a pioneer in e-commerce, actually. <laughs> actually, back in the day, well, Amazon didn't really exist. I think Yahoo Stores was the leader in terms of shopping carts. Wow. And you're still using Yahoo Stores, I know, right? No, no, no. no we're not kidding. on Yahoo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, don't laugh because uh, I'm on an open source platform. I know you uh, are. Yeah, yeah, you can make fun of me. Anyone who's listening to this can make fun of me. It's it's OS Commerce, but I've I'm an engineer, a former electrical engineer, so I've actually maintained that code base even though it was defunct many years ago. God bless you. All right, and so Bumblebee Linens, that's actually the brand that it sounds like your wife actually started it, but you partner with her and like it sounded like over the holidays you're even shipping boxes, right? Yeah, I mean, we started together. It was a plan to get her to quit her job. Nice. Stay at home with the kids. Love it. So yeah, what's the brand all about? What do you guys sell? Yeah, so we sell handkerchiefs and linens for special occasions. Handkerchiefs, is it might sound super random, but uh, when my wife and I got married, she knew she was going to cry, and I think we paid like 10 grand for photography, and she didn't want to be caught on camera you know, using nasty tissues. So we ended up just looking all over the place for these hankies, couldn't find anywhere anywhere except for this factory in China. I think the minimum order quantity was like a couple hundred. And we used maybe a handful of them, and then we sold the rest on eBay, and they ended up selling a cot cakes. So when she became pregnant, she was like, okay, I'm going to quit. And we were like, okay, why don't we get back in touch with that manufacturer and launch that store? And that's exactly what we did. Wow. It's fascinating. Actually, amazing little tactic there. Well, what's the tactic? Well, you bought it for personal <laughs> use, and then you took the leftovers, and you tested existing demand on eBay. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the way you got to go these days, right? I mean, you always have to have some way of validating your niche before you place that bulk order. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and so now you're direct to consumer on Bumblebee Linens, right? Yep. Do you also sell through eBay and Amazon? We sell through Amazon, not eBay any longer. Okay. Amazon, I think these days, I mean, they own over 50% of e-commerce and you know, you pretty much have to be on there, yeah. I feel. No, I agree. Yeah. It's where people go to search products. I have a different opinion on eBay, though. I think eBay is just too much trouble for what it's worth. Amazon's easy. You just ship them some stuff. It's almost like an ATM machine. You ship them product, and then they give you a check. Whereas eBay, you, the eBay customer is a little bit more fussy. 
So we stopped that. Yeah. Got it. So you're doing fulfilled by Amazon. Correct. Yeah. Nice. Great program. Cool. And so like, where are you guys as a brand, right? Seven figures ish. I saw you were just on CNBC and, and they made you uh, yeah. release your taxes. <laughs> actually, yeah. Our exact profit straight from the tax return is actually on that episode. Yeah. So we're a low seven figure business. We kind of run it like a lifestyle business. You know, we have two young kids who have tons of activities now. So my wife works maybe 20 to 25 hours a week. And then the rest of the time is, you know, just spent hanging out with the kids and that sort of thing. We got a warehouse, employees. Uh Uh, We do personalization. So we actually do our own fulfillment in addition to Amazon FBA. Oh, nice. Yeah, I saw that on the site. Like if you're getting married, you can have like custom personalized hankies. It looks awesome. I mean, I think that's the key, right? I mean, in this day and age of like everyone knocking things off on Amazon, I think the personalization is what makes us unique. We can turn around everything really quickly. And a lot of people aren't going to go through the trouble of doing that because it is kind of a pain. Yeah. So one of the things I've always like had so much respect for you for is you're a content machine, right? And like, you know how to generate traffic in a way that candidly, like I love all the operators and founders I interview on the show, but I don't think there's really anyone out there that understands how to drive organic traffic like you do. Well, thanks for that. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm sure I there's lots it. of people better than me than doing that, but yeah. Maybe, but, but I, I really do mean it. Maybe before we get into like some of your tips for generating traffic, help us understand for Bumblebee, you know, is that an organic traffic business or are you still doing ads? Like what's kind of the marketing mix there? I mean, since I teach e-commerce, I actually do everything. But I would say organic SEO traffic is probably 25% of the business. Repeat business with everything else, you know, uh, direct traffic. We, we do a lot of B2B sales also. That's probably like another third. And then the remaining third is paid traffic, actually. So let's talk about that organic traffic, right? Like it takes time and effort. What's your advice overall about like when to start, how long to expect before you see results, all that stuff? Yeah, I'm a big believer that you actually need to be running paid and organic at the same time. Organic just takes a while. I would I would give it at least six months. And it really just depends on what your niche is. I think a big mistake that people make is creating content about their products as opposed to content that draws the type of customer that they're going to get. So for example, if I sell fishing gear, well, I might write articles about fishing gear, but what I'm really trying to target are just fishermen. So it could be just any type of content related to what fishermen would like. Yeah. And that opens it up to a lot more things. Because a lot of people come to me and they say, hey, there's only so many articles I can write about my product, right? To rank and search. But if you just think more holistically about the type of person you want to attract, that makes the whole content game so much easier. And so when you say write content, I know what you mean, but I just want to make sure everyone listening does. Like you're talking about on your .com, on your blog, you're writing posts geared towards fishermen. That is correct. Cool. And it doesn't have to be written. I mean, you have to just choose a medium. I would say that right now, YouTube, blogging, and TikTok would be my primary uh, ways to generate content, mainly because the discoverability is so good. Yeah. Whereas Facebook and Instagram, I feel like those mediums, I mean, you can do really well on them. But the people that I know that do Instagram and Facebook well, they're publishing between seven and 20 times a day. And even if they do get traffic, it only lasts for a couple of days. Whereas you could just write one post and that will generate you traffic for like a decade, right. which is the case for, for our store. Yeah. Right. Yeah. One of the things I like to say is like, as a founder, you need to think about what is 
easy for you, like what you can do consistently. And if you are great in front of the camera, like, boom, yeah, do these little TikTok videos or these Instagram reels or, or YouTubes. If you're more naturally a writer, like just start writing. And then, you know, we were talking about this before, but you've actually gotten really good at repurposing that content after the fact. And that's not even something you do yourself. That's correct. You've got a freelancer that's kind of repurposing some of that existing content for you. So I chuckled when you said content machine because I actually really only put out one piece of content a week. It just seems like that because I'll take that blog post and I'll turn it into a YouTube video. Really, it's just breaking down to an outline and then I'll just, I have a teleprompter and I'll just go through the bullet points. That turns into multiple TikToks, that turns into Twitter also, that turns into Instagram posts. So it's really just one piece of content that you're seeing in a bunch of different places. Wow. And who's doing all that editing and stuff for you? You have someone? I have an employee in the Philippines. She is amazing. She'll literally just edit my YouTube videos. She edits my podcasts. She creates these little TikTok clips for me also. Do you find her on like Fiverr or Upwork or? Ah, I actually found her on Second Office, which is an outsourcing firm that specializes in e-commerce actually. Wow. She actually wasn't, you know, naturally a podcast editor. Like she hadn't edited podcasts and she did a little bit of video. So I actually had to train her for quite a while, actually, to get things the way I wanted to. But once you have that in place, it's amazing, actually. It's awesome. All right. So step one, find a medium that you're comfortable with and get consistent about putting out content geared towards your target customer regularly. And that content, I think this is a good point. Yes, some should be about your products and products for those people, but others should just be content, you know, geared towards that person. Maybe they've got questions about how to be a better fisherman or, you know, interesting subject matter about fishing in general. It could even just be like memes or comedy too, right? I mean, you're just trying to attract that target customer. If you want to rank in search though, you have to be very deliberate about it. You have to use like a search tool like Ahrefs to figure out what people are searching for. And what's nice about that tool is it'll tell you approximately how competitive it is to actually rank for that keyword as well. And then you just put out a well thought out article Well, first, if you want to walk through this, I mean, this is exactly what I do. I type in that keyword in search. I figure out what types of articles that Google is trying to rank for that. And then I go through and I basically write something that is all encompassing of all the subject matter on that front page. And I also make it a little bit personal. And after that, I mean, we can talk about building backlinks and that sort of thing. But really, it's it's all about the content in the beginning, especially for e-commerce stores. I feel like the keywords that e-commerce stores target tends to be less competitive than like the other stuff that I write about on my wife quit her job. Yeah, that's interesting. All right. So get in the rhythm of content, then also kind of hammer that at the intersection of real search engine optimization opportunities, which, you know, you could find yourself, but it's nice to use a like Google Trends or Ahrefs to point you in the right direction there. I think you pretty much need a tool if search is your goal. There's two types of posts that we write. One is like strictly search engine focused where we're literally targeting keyword. But then there's audience building posts where you just get a little bit more personal and that kind of builds up your brand and and mind share for yourself. So you kind of have to do a mix of both. Yeah. I like your suggestion of actually like not just being a robot about these, like actually weaving that personal experience into the post. And, you know, hopefully if you're listening, you're actually selling a product that you know, solves a problem in your life or that you're an expert about or something. Otherwise, it becomes really gnarly to think about creating content just to sell a t-shirt that you don't care about personally. 
I mean, if you think about it, I mean, people buy stuff from your store because they like you, not necessarily your products, right? So as long as you can get someone to like you, and we, we're very personal, like we use our company name, but we're always talking from like Steve or Jen when we're, you know, when we're writing. And if people like you, they'll buy anything from you. Yeah, I like that. So, all right, so you're generating content. You've got some search engine tools to help you point you in the right direction. You actually just started to see traffic as a result of that over time. Like it doesn't happen right away, but. Yeah, I mean, I would give it at least six months. I mean, this is like a long-term game. And if you're just starting with your store, you just have to have a little bit of faith in the beginning that the content is going to generate traffic. And you might get impatient yeah. uh, and you want to see sales. And that, that's where paid ads comes in too. So you kind of have to do both. And in a way, when you run Google paid ads, it actually helps your search rankings also if you're bidding on similar keywords as the content you're you're writing. Yeah, I have heard that before too. So it's kind of like you're making these long-term investments, you're letting them bake, but in the meantime, you could be buying ads to kind of juice traffic short-term, but also help with the long-term because more traffic on your site gives you more domain authority, et cetera. I want to talk about Pinterest. Okay. I know that, you know, at least historically, you have gotten a ton of traffic from Pinterest, right? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, Pinterest, ironically, is actually not my forte. That's like my wife's thing. I also have uh, my partner, Tony. She helps out with Pinterest. So if you were to ask me exactly what my strategies are there, (laughs) I I probably can't speak intelligently about it because I'm not really into Pinterest. I feel like you have to be kind of into it. I can tell you about the overall strategy, though. Yeah, I think that's what we're looking for. Yeah, so there's a tool called Tailwind, and they have what they're what are called tribes. I think they call it something different now. I think it's called Tailwind Communities. But the goal here is there are these communities out there where you basically work together to share each other's pins. And it's kind of a one-for-one thing, right? If you share someone else's pin, that gives you credits where you can actually have someone else share your stuff, or you can ask to have your stuff shared. You know, aside from the basics, which is obviously create catching images and that sort of thing, if you want to jumpstart your account, joining these communities is a, is a big deal. Yeah. So, so you guys, I mean, you really do get traffic from that to the store, not just to your Pinterest page? To the store. Actually, so a lot of it goes to the content. Oh, okay, We don't do okay. a lot of Pinterest to products per se, although there are pins actually that do pretty well there. But in general, if you get them to the content, you grab their email and then you kind of nurture them on the back end. That's generally how you get sales. Love it. So a really good tip around Pinterest right there. Focus on continuing the the education off of Pinterest to the blog, to that content that Steve's been writing that we're talking about. Capture the lead, nurture, and eventually when they're ready, drive the sale. Love it. What else? I, I saw some tips that you had also about customer shopping engines. Yeah, I mean, it's mainly about Google Shopping. I think most of the other ones had died out. Back in the day, there's a bunch. I can't even think of them now. I think shopping.com, Nextag, all those have died off. Google Shopping is our highest converting ad platform, mainly because I think you know if someone sees an image and the price, if they click on that, there's huge intent to actually buy that product. So what I like about Google Ads, so we actually run a lot more, we, we max out our Google Ads. We use Target Return on Ad Spend for all of our campaigns now, because it works beautifully. If you want to make a higher return on ad spend, you set a little bit higher. If you want to make more sales, you set a little bit lower. So we typically set ours at between three to four X, and then Google just magically adjusts all the bids for you. Wow. And yeah. on Google, are you bidding around product specific? Like you're not taking a similar approach to what you're doing in 
Pinterest where you're driving it to content. No, like that's correct. Yeah, so Google Shopping, all the traffic obviously goes straight to the product page. Um, we're also running AdWords, you know, for, you know, keywords like wedding handkerchiefs, handkerchiefs, and that sort of thing. I think, uh, you know, if anyone's listening out there, whether or not you can run the regular Google search ads kind of depends on how competitive your words are. So, for example, if you're selling apparel, chances are AdWords is probably not going to work as well for you because those those words are just so expensive. Right. But if you niche down and you're like wedding handkerchiefs, you know, right. probably very few people selling direct to consumer. That's correct. Yeah. So it really just depends on what your niche is. I mean, I would say if you're selling something more broad-based, like apparel or jewelry or something like that, I think Facebook ads and Instagram ads are still the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. At one point, you know, you had mentioned that you used to kind of comb through forums and spend time in forums. Yes. Is that something that you're still doing? Uh, we do that less these days, but I do teach that as a method in my class. There's actually this uh, 14-year-old girl, she sells opossum pins. And I think forums have mostly been replaced by Facebook groups. Right. Let's just use that fisherman example again. If there's a fisherman's Facebook group, if you join a group like that and you kind of ingratiate yourself in the community, you know, participate, you know, help people out. If you're really subtle about it, you can kind of drop product stuff in. So you can say something like, hey, I just came out with this funny shirt design. What do you think about it? And people say, hey, I love it. I love it. I love it. Where can I get this? And then you can just post a link to your stuff. And this is exactly what that 14-year-old girl that I was talking about, she sells opossum pins. Wow. She joined a Facebook group of opossum lovers. I didn't even know that existed. <laughs> and she posted her pin design and then people were asking about it. And then she pointed it over to her Etsy store and she does $1,000 a month. Wow. I mean, she's 14. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, even in, in our early days of Privy, like I used to spend a lot of time in certain Facebook groups, Shopify Entrepreneurs. I would also spend time on different forums like Squarespace, Shopify, Wix, et cetera, and took a very similar approach. Anyone who's talking about like how to grow their store and grow their email list or do email marketing, I would add value first. And then like if people were kind of asking good questions, I'd be like, oh yeah, you can use a free version of Privy. You just check it out here, you know? So I'm a big believer in that. And the beauty of Facebook groups, like you said, if you can find a Facebook group about opossum lovers, like you can find a Facebook group about anything these days. So in reference to what you were saying, I used to go on the wedding forums. This was early on. I actually posed as a woman and I just helped brides find what they were looking for. <laughs> That's crazy. And occasionally if they asked about wedding favors or whatnot, I would suggest something that we'd have in our store. But for the most part, I was just answering wedding questions. It's amazing. Amazing. So what, like on the knot or something like that? Yeah, exactly. The wedding forums, the, the knot.com. I don't know if they're still big, actually. I think so. I think people still use it. I don't know. Cool. All right. Well, this was great. I mean, any other kind of tactics in terms of like pure traffic generation at the top of the funnel? Here's my philosophy these days, Ben. I ran like some stats with my store. We're in the wedding industry, right? And unless people are getting divorced, chances are we're not getting a lot of repeat business. Yeah. Interesting. So it turns out only 12% of our customers are repeat, but they actually make up 36% of our revenue. Huh. And that was I was shocked by that. I'm of the philosophy now that you should focus a lot more energy on the people who've already purchased from you rather than spending all of your efforts on getting new customers. Here's why. This is what happened. When I discovered that, I kind of reached out to some of these customers and I found that a lot of them were wedding and event planners. Hmm. So what we ended up doing is now we just kind of look for anomalies in our order size. And if someone orders like 50 handkerchiefs, chances are they're an event planner. So we just reach out to them on the phone. We have their information and we say, hey, 
We noticed that you know you purchase these in bulk. Are you an event planner or a wedding planner? And if so, hey, here's a discount code. We'll give you a dedicated rep. Whenever you guys need something, we'll have someone make sure that these hankies arrive on time to the destination. Brilliant. And those are our repeat customers now. Uh, we've implemented a loyalty program since then. For turns out, there's like a, a community of handkerchief lovers out there. All they do is collect them. Wow. I mean, who would have known, right? But if you <laughs> if you don't go through your existing customer base, you're not gonna you're not gonna know these things. Yeah. So these days, I mean, over a third of our business is in the bag every single year because of our repeat customers. Amazing. Well, Steve, this was fantastic. I feel like we covered a lot of gold here in terms of how to how to generate traffic. I do agree on on the focus on repeats. I like that. You've kind of turned that into like a almost like a b2b model which is great so thanks for coming on appreciate all the context and we'll be watching hope it's a big holiday season for bumblebee yeah i hope so too thanks ben